What's up? This is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic. Someone asked me recently the difference between when we chat on the pad- podcast versus in person, or just in general, on the phone, whatever. Yeah. What'd you and say? And I think the only difference is that I have to wait for that theme song to finish before we can start <laughs> talking. Like, we don't normally do that on the phone, but we do it here. But other than that, yeah. what you see is what you get. Exactly. And we're hoping and the uh, our internet connection stays stable, because I am up in Canada, Matt. And I am... Uh, I'm jealous. I am full of magic. I've seen so much magic over this whole month, and now I'm, like, in the thick of it right here. I am in Quebec City at FISM, Matt. The World Championships of Magic. Can you explain what you know about FISM? Because I knew very little going in. The Federation Internationale de Societe Magique. That's a good accent. That's better than I <laughs> used to. <laughs> or, or um, as people commonly know, it's like the Olympics of magic, right? It's like It, it the, really is. Yeah, and I've never gotten to be there. Um, I've really considered it. I was so close to coming this July, and uh, I'm so jealous this week. We were talking a little bit about it before we came on, mm-hmm. and then uh, you told me you were going to tell me about your trip for, to Chicago. I was like, please, like, we got to get back to FISM first. Yeah. I, I just... I'm, I, I want to know everything. And honestly, so far, you haven't told me anything. No, I really. haven't told you really anything about what's going on. And we're only on day three. So uh, I got up here on Monday. There was a couple events Monday night uh, and then a full day yesterday. And then we're in the middle of Wednesday as we record this now. And I'm staying through the end, I believe. I'm going to try. I'd, uh, I was originally going to leave Friday and then uh, a little cancellation with some plans happened. So I'm going to try and extend to stay for the whole thing now. Is that, I would. That's crazy. So You're already there. Yeah. The thing I've been trying to catch the most, I mean, so there's lectures going on, there's gala shows, and those are pretty standard across the board when it comes to magic conventions. I mean, obviously with more international lectures and everything like that, because, you know, this is an international event. Uh, I feel like this, this, does this blow out the other conventions? Like, is it larger? It must be more international. Like you said, it's in a different city mm -hmm. or country each year. This is the first time it's in North America since it's either the first or the first in a long, long time. Yeah. I haven't gotten the details on that. Uh, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's mostly usually in like Europe or Asia. Um, and it has been, and it's every three years too. That's the other thing. So, you know, the fact that it's in North America and Canada, uh, they, uh, you know, a lot of people I know are here and I don't know if that's normally the case, you know, because a lot of people like me, I drove up from New York to get here and a lot of people flew in from all over the States and, you know, there's like, let's take up the opportunity to see it while it's here in North America. Um, so what's what's going on over there? I mean, every every everybody there is somebody. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting stopped on in the hallways, and I don't don't go to magic uh, conventions at all. But everyone, I see a familiar face, and we chat. And I get a little bit of the anxiety when I go up and see you in Vegas too, because I have a lot of friends in Vegas now, and I just feel like I'm getting pulled in different directions a lot. Sure. But I'm like trying to like allocate some time to talk to everyone and have a little moment with everyone at least. And, um, Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. um, the thing that I was most excited about attending and boy, is it an experience is the actual competition part because that's unique to FISM. And that's the part where, I mean, competing 
as an art form is always interesting. We talk about that with AGT and how do you, how do you judge art or entertain? Yeah, it, right? really interesting. I was reading an article, I believe Tom Stone was writing about um, the purpose, and I like this take on it, isn't for the judgment and like the judges. I mean, obviously getting feedback is nice from people you respect that know the art, but really it's the work leading up to the act. And that's why people compete because it's the, the fact that it, whether you win or lose or whatever, it doesn't really matter. The fact that it's, you're competing to try and encourage originality and artistic endeavor in your performances, because as we know with a lot of things in magic, you can make a career by doing stuff off the shelf, not putting an ounce of artistic, you know, thought into it. And the general public doesn't know the difference. But having mm -hmm. your peers putting it into this competition format kind of encourages people to be artistic and try things that are new. And as uh, Max Maven tried to uh, bring the point home a lot to, throughout this, uh, the, the, the conference um, lectures and, and um, uh, talks that I've been to so far, is he's like, we he's he's featuring a lot of history lectures so he's talking you know we need more about the history so we can understand where we've been that way we can have a better idea of where we're going and that's that's the cool part of this artistic ability is like we're seeing where the art form is evolving and people trying new things and it's great man it's really really fun um, yeah i i, I want to be there so bad <laughs> i know i can tell just from this call you're like jealous and uh, trying you're you're itching to be here uh, yeah wish it could have been so um the stage competition has been in the morning there's been two days so far there's five days it's competitors all over different categories there's general magic there's close up um well close up's a separate competition but uh manipulation there's mental mm -hmm. magic then there's a grand prix the Grand Prix is at the end, right? So it's mm -hmm. all the, these are all the competition acts and then like the best ones will go compete in the, like the finals essentially. And they'll, mm -hmm. they'll be a Grand Prix winner. Uh, but the first day was like, all right, kind of just getting the vibe. There's some like definitely some comedy magic acts that are like, oh, that's comedy. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> like, <laughs> Subjective. Like there was a group called Siegfried and Joy. I feel like I've seen this. They might have actually done AGT now that I think I think of I've it. seen it on like social media. Yeah. And that was uh that was fascinating. I don't there wasn't much magic involved. They're kind of just goofing around. But the uh the first real moment where it was like this higher echelon of competitors was in the close up competition yesterday. There was this just beautiful billiard ball act from Spain mm -hmm. where he mm -hmm. just had a red ball and a white ball. And he just said that these are linked together, like, you know, the the planet and I'm probably botching this. So like the sun. Probably. And the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was he was going to honor um, famous one handed magician, Rene Levant. Wow. And so he did a whole billiard ball act with one hand behind his back. And the wow. things that I knew about billiard balls seem impossible he couldn't do those things that i knew about billiard ball acts so he would wow. ditch one ball and then clearly show a ball empty in his hand the other ball empty and then just turn it over and now all of a sudden he has two balls again wow. <laughs> it's just like kept doing that over and over again get rid of one and it kept appearing in every wow. possible way as clean as possible and hmm. uh you know when that moment after seeing a bunch of competitors never been polite for the other ones and like clapping and at the appearances and all the vanishes and all the stuff that they're doing 
But then when you have an act like that where suddenly boom pop the whole audience stands up in a standing ovation it's like like somebody pushed a button yeah it's it's wow it's wow. i'm gonna try and see i think i have his name because i want to give some credit and i'm sure uh, hopefully he'll be in the the, the final um grand prix as we're saying let's see stage content that's stage i'm looking for close-up he was uh his, his name is javi rufo from spain okay yeah not familiar so but so many out. great magicians out of Spain. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we saw some more beautiful, amazing stage stuff this morning. Um, the highlight for me was a, there was a Danish comedy magician who just like was for, forgetful and all these things were kind of happening to him, almost Slidini style where he would like forget yeah. to do stuff. But his delivery was great and there was some really great magic that happened. What do you mean by Slidini? Slidini kind of had magic happen to him when he was you doing... You mean Cardini. That's what I mean. Okay. <laughs> I'm running on very little amount of uh, sleep here. <laughs> hey, I wasn't calling you out. I honestly no. just was curious what you meant. <laughs> Sly, card, close. They're both close. <laughs> both end in eenies. Yeah. In eenies. Yeah. How do you keep track of all these eenies, Matt? <laughs> too many. There's too many. Uh, but his, his act was really good. And then there, uh, we just saw a close-up act from France that was very like Leonard Green style where everything seemed kind of haphazard and, um, you know, mismatched and, you know, he, the cards are falling in different places, but he was still able to just very cleanly have participants point to a card and it was a, always a queen. It was, he was finding the four queens, including a signed one as well. And it's wow. just like, Everyone couldn't figure out what was happening. And all the time, too, he, like, arrived to his set late. And then he's, like, also eating during his set as well. Oh, my and, like, gosh. It was just, like, bizarre. And it was hilarious, but also, like, amazing at the same time. So, you know, that's just day two of, you know, competitions. And those were kind of the stand-ups. Oh, and I have to mention one more. Um, Ding Yang did her bird act. And mm-hmm. she does a bird act where I have no idea how these birds are getting produced. Like, wow, she's in this form fitting attire. She even was laying on her back at one point and the birds were appearing. She made birds appear by her feet. Wow. Like, not the traditional like <laughs> in her hands. Yeah. But yeah. On her feet. Unbelievable. Wow. I don't. It's that stuff is. you've never seen before. Now, Only. I, yeah. Nowhere else in the world. Now, I will say from the um, mentalism perspective, mentalism at FISM is very strange. Um, yeah. So I always have a lens towards, yeah, what's going on. But, I, you know, I'm there to experience more of the uh, the lectures and the talks from mentalism. But the competitors, I think just based off of the rules and them trying to make it this theater, artistic themed thing. Like there was a guy from France who did like a Back to the Future Doc Brown thing. And it was it was it was interesting, as we say here on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, you do. You do use that word. Interesting. <laughs> amply. So I'm having a blast, man. Um, they even did like an opening ceremony type show uh, and they had like circus acts come out and they kind of uh, performed and did like a tableau of the history of magic. But since we're in Canada, they also featured four uh, honorees that are influential to the magic world. Can you guess four major Canadians? Uh, Not no. to put you on the spot. So, Di Vernon. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, I didn't even know like what generation yeah, we were talking throughout, about. Throughout. So, so Di uh-huh. Vernon was featured, and um, mm-hmm. performer Jared Koff did a performance doing his Di Vernon impression. And it was just like, he was like in silhouette, 
and it just sounded mm-hmm. like him with his voice that everyone mimics, right? And then um, another uh, is his name Dean Gunnarsson, I believe. Yeah, um, he came out. That is and, someone. I don't know if that's who you're talking about, but yeah. that is a person. He did a uh, escape because yeah, they were honoring um, James Randi. So James oh, okay. Randi, you know, used to do a lot of escape. So he did an upside down straight jacket. Uh, and then someone on a motorcycle came out and they recreated just a little bit of a, a flare of Doug Henning. So that's oh, three. Cool. And then four was Gary Ouellette. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So those are the four like major Canadians they were honoring that were influential to magic. And then all the, they do like a whole processional of all the competitors and they're all waving like it's the Olympics. Right. Right. Uh, and then there was a gorgeous, and I don't have the performer's name in front of me, this uh, manipulation act with like the acrylic contact juggling balls. Mm-hmm. And he was making them appear while this like stream of water was coming down from the top of the stage and just plucking them out of this stream of water and then making them vanish. And there would be a splash of water as they vanished. It was really, really beautiful. Uh, so you're missing a lot, Matt, is what I'm saying. And you should Well, no, I don't feel shows. bad anymore, actually. You should you should cancel shows and come up to Quebec City is what I'm saying. I, I, you know what? I, I don't even feel bad because I feel like myself and, and the listeners have our own personal FISM correspondent. I guess so, so yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I giving you all the details. Yeah. And hey, that, that French guy doing the cards that was eating sandwiches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was, do you know his name or no? Uh, I don't need I, it. Can, I was just giving you it. I can look it up here. It, so, it sounds like he's... Uh, probably a sleight of hand guy just disguising that he has no like as if he has no skill at all like like right. green kind of um, his name hiding is, his skill yeah exactly that's the thing is it looks all haphazard but it's probably all very orchestrated and he's doing oh, amazing sure. sleight of hand uh, Mark Kobe is his name okay. from France so those were so, some standouts so far uh, that I've seen and uh, now magic conventions in general do have competitions but usually it's just like one small part of the convention, whereas FISM, the whole focus is it being the world championships of magic. And then as everyone comes in all over the world for that, they also have gala shows and lectures and this and that. But the, the you know, the main thing, how it all started was being the Olympics of magic. Yeah. And the, like, that's, that's why it was like, I'm getting up early, like the stage competition first rounds are all at 8 a.m. Matt. Like, I'm not a morning yeah. person, but I'm getting right. there. And I'm watching those, and then the close-up are right after. And then there's lectures going on at the same time, but I was like, I'm going to skip those lectures, and I'll catch the ones that don't conflict, because like I want to see what people are doing in this innovative part. Now, I'm, I'm a little iffy on like how the judging works and like what they're actually adjudicating on, but I know you have to get a certain level of points to be considered for first place. So they don't always give out first place in certain categories. Like I know it's very hard to get first place in mentalism just by the nature of it. So there might be no first place. Exactly. Exactly. That's weird. It is a little weird. (laughs) That is weird. So the criteria though, like that they judge mm -hmm. by is like, you know, I think they do originality and presentation and mm-hmm. stage presence. All I think they did like score you in each of those and then sort of tally it up somehow. Yeah. And there's like artistic nature. It's like they, they kind of introed it as like all that you practice, you practice to make it easy, but then you practice to make it beautiful. So they're always looking for that artistic element to it as well. The aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like also like invention prizes. So if you want to, 
expose to the judges how you're accomplishing something and you think you've invented a new technique, they'll like give a separate prize based off of like the best inventive technique or something oh, like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's, man, this is only day two for me and it's already so much to talk about. Well, my um, favorite parts are just the hangouts. I know you're getting up early, but are you yeah. also staying out late and meeting some cool people and, and having any sessions? Uh, it's a little tricky because there's no central bar here. So we've been like little pockets that people have been hanging out for meals. But mostly it's been hanging out at the convention center and just chatting with people at the hallways waiting to go into lectures or isn't there like a lobby area where people hang or somewhere where you got to kind of seek it out yeah. or start one you know you kind of find people in the dealers room too which is a little sparse like that's not not the focus for fism but there are some mm-hmm. dealers so you can walk around and see what people are selling magic wise um but um yeah it's uh the other weird thing while we we're up here by the way Matt, is uh in quebec city we're getting a uh visit from the pope so the roads are oh. all blocked up <laughs> Yeah. And I'm just like, when are we going to see on the FISM stage the Pope? Like, he's got some <laughs> tricks, right? Like, did he learn? Did he, when you're Pope, don't you learn just through tradition, the water to wine? Like, you I can think do so. Some, some magic. Some I miracles. think so. <laughs> At least a little bottle production, something. Yeah. Something to spice yeah. up the performance, you know? Like a big curtain goes up and then it drops and the Pope Mobile's there. Right? Is there a Pope Mobile? I don't think that's a thing. The Pope Mobile's a thing. I don't think it's here in Quebec City, but there's definitely. I thought a you Pope made Mobile. that up. No, he like drives around in a little car that's like a little bubble thing. To Just to clarify, it. it's definitely not actually called a Pope Mobile. I disagree, and I feel our right, the listeners will write in and tell us that they also know of this. I Pope hope Mobile. you're right. I just didn't know it was called a Pope Mobile. I mean, that is absolutely. Did that exist before the Batmobile or after? <laughs> Good question. But the theme song is no, 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 Pope man. <laughs> This might be the greatest podcast we've ever done just because of that. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So uh, I'll have more to discuss on FISM as the, uh, the the week goes out for next week and everything like that. But Well, I, you, you also did Chicago. I don't know if you want to talk about that before we yeah. get to, um, before we get to uh, trivia. Yeah, let's talk about Chicago. There's a, there's a bunch no, of No, no, let's just talk more about FISM, please. <laughs> <laughs> i think you no really, no actually yeah yeah you did the you did the did you do the magic theater well i think you'd like chicago a lot there's like so well, much I've magic there. Chicago. well there's so much <laughs> magic wise i'm saying there's 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 a new theater called the rhapsody theater and i flew yeah. out i had a couple of days free i flew out just to see this legendary mentalist ross johnson perform and he's only like mm-hmm. performing wednesdays and in Sundays or something like that. Uh, but mm-hmm. I wanted to see him perform because he ve- does very few public performances and it's such a great show. I mean, the, you, the theater, first of all, is amazing. And it's this repurposed theater. That's like all going to be magic themed. There's going to be other programming to comedy nights and so forth, but they're a new theater. Uh, they had their debut just like a month or two ago with um, Lucy Darling. It was the first yep. run of shows there. Uh, but Ross the curtain opens up and he's sitting on a park bench with a street lamp. Like there's a whole set. There's a bistro that ties into like the, uh, some of the backstory and narrative. And then he continues to do some amazing classics and mentalism, but with this unique subtlety to Ross that just is like, so 
well thought out. He's such a great speaker and like so powerful and how much mileage he can get out of these things that I'm just like, wow, it's really amazing to see this pro work. And then he does his um, Q&A routine that's just baffling where he's reading questions that the audience is thinking and he's answering them and handing envelopes back to the people and they're verifying that even without seeing what they wrote that he was able to still know what was in the envelope and find the right person and give it back to them and they verify everything's correct. It was so amazing to see. So um, they, there was another show opening the next night, but we had tickets to the Chicago Magic Lounge. <laughs> so that venue is incredible too. And yeah, I think I saw some photos. I mean, yeah, it's just I, I posted perfect some for photos. Magic. It's um, it's like a speakeasy kind of. If you know it's there, you know it's there because there's no markings on the street. You actually enter through a well. You see a door, and it's just magic posters, kind of old magic posters around I it. Think, think that I met the guy who like owns it or whatever, or who came to my show. Like I, I like mm. remember that, and then I also think I came across the business card recently because i think i met him afterwards oh um, nice yeah. yeah i actually just met the owners here at fism because they weren't happen to be there when i was there but uh our, mm -hmm. the booker there uh ben barnes was super gracious and gave us a whole tour of the venue uh mm -hmm. and the history of how it came to be uh just the story of the lounge and and honoring what's cool about it there's they honor the chicago magic tradition that came before the venue so, yeah you were sending me some photos of like Ed Marlowe and stuff like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. And Shulian's was kind of like the place where everyone would hang out and they have a picture of Shulian. Now, do you know Matt Shulian? I don't. Are you familiar with no, no, I was learning as I went through. So. so, bar magicians in Chicago, I mean, a lot bar magic was big in Chicago back during that time. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, when are we going back to? Is that like 60s and 70s? Yeah, maybe. And 80s, 80s too, for sure. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, I'm trying to think of when Shulian would have been there. He was sort of a legendary uh, bar magician. And bar magicians sort of don't exist anymore because there are still magicians who work restaurants and even magicians who work restaurants who work from behind the bar, which is a fun thing to do. Right. Um, but back at that time, they were also slinging out drinks. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So they're, they're taking drink orders. They're performing in between. They're, they're letting this person pick a card, make it a drink in the meantime while this person shuffles. It was a whole thing. Um, and you, you learned how to be really good at what you do and keep everybody happy uh, doing it that way, I suppose. Yeah. And that they really tried to drive home that that like bar style magic uh, uh, is so unique to Chicago and it kind of was pioneered there. But there's other yeah. types of magic as well, like the parlor scene and other larger stage performance. So they're trying to honor all the types of Chicago magic in this venue. But you walk mm -hmm. in through this door with the magic posters and you're in a laundromat. Matt. You're in a laundromat and then you go through one of the drier doors and that's the door is an entrance into the club and there's some other secrets and then you get into the main theater and there's um you sit down at the table and there's uh before the show starts is like kind of a cocktail hour and uh close-up magicians come and they hit every table and you get to see some close-up magic before the show starts now i get to see the sh when the show started it happened to be a uh, new york performer chris capehart that i could see anytime in new york but it, he's always great to fun to see and i love watching it perform so it was i knew yeah. it was gonna be a good show but i did joke to him i go i have to come all the way to chicago to see you perform when i can see you <laughs> in my backyard <laughs> which is very funny but then so you had to walk through a real laundromat 
I mean, it's a small to, little, but it's like work with working dryers and everything. Yeah. But it's like closed and you're walking through it. It's just like uh, very small. It's like a small little hallway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're just. It's, Interesting. Yeah. You're just it's it's one of those quick moments. And if you do a lot of like immersive experiences, it's like, oh, this is this feels off and it feels smaller. There's something hidden and extra here. But, you know, you're coming here for a magic show. So wait, but the laundromat is real. They're, they have working dryers in it, yeah. It's not meant to be part of the experience. It's just something you are forced to cut through. Is that what you're saying? No, it's part of the experience. Oh, they did that on purpose. Yeah, it's just a front. I th- oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. Yeah. Was this like an artistic decision, or is this attached to a laundromat that's functioning? No, they didn't like okay. see people in line or like, hey, suggestion, maybe we should uh, do some laundry before you come into <laughs> our, cl- our club. No, but I mean, I, I don't think I've taken you yet when you were here, but I told you about the, there's an amazing magic shop in Vegas. Mm, right. I told you a little bit about it. But they also have like a speakeasy storefront. No, it's literally attached to a, a mail zone, like a, like a, a post <laughs> office. It's literally attached. Did I tell okay. you that? No, no. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's called Mail Zone. You walk in and like you have mailboxes on one side and the other side is like a full-blown amazing old school brick and mortar magic shop. Oh wow. But to clarify, and this is kind of why I'm asking, it is a real place where you can have a box and have things shipped out. It's not an artistic decision. <laughs> right. It's not linked to the magic store. It's its own separate business that like runs, right? <laughs> yeah, but it, honestly yeah. though, uh, just as a side note here, if you're a magician and you're coming to Vegas, like magic shops are so hard to come by now. Check out Trick Supply. Uh, on sunset it is uh you know uh brick and mortar magic shops are such a a dying breed and it's cool to go into a place where you can actually uh see things in action before you get it hang out with other magicians and it's a whole thing so yeah absolutely that's that's great yeah this this isn't a laundromat where people are just coming to do laundry on their own like they're coming there because it's the chicago magic lounge and no one's Mm -hmm. really doing laundry there uh it reminds me actually more of the the meow wolf experience we did where you go into the right that's what i was asking okay now i I got you now Um, so after that you were saying so after the stage show Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're at a certain tier, you have the, the, you know, the premium tickets. If you don't, you can go back to the bar and see a great bar magician perform and stay all night if you want and see that. But there's a close up room, a room in the back that's designed just for close up. And, um, we saw, uh, I'm trying to remember it. It's Luis Carrion. I'm probably botching his name, but he did a small intimate, I mean, it reminds me of like um, the close-up room in the castle a bit, right? So everyone's mm-hmm, seated mm-hmm. there. There's a couple people that can jump up and sit by the table. And he just did a full hour show in wow. addition to the stage show we saw. Oh, is that it, too much magic? No, it was great. Oh, because really? It's di- it feels different. Because you're sitting okay. there, you're watching a stage show. Like, a, you know, it's, I, I think I would do really well on that stage because it feels like a comedy club. It's got that like raked kind of parlor setting. Uh, like when I did the castle, I was in the parlor for the similar reason because it's kind of comedy club ish. But then you switch gears and now you're in this close up room and it feels different. Uh, and then they were taking me through all the history of all the other legends. And of course, they, you know, they have artifacts from Jay Marshall, who's a famous Chicago based magician. And we I even went to Magic Ink while I was there and saw, you know, a couple of things. I got some like Jay Marshall pins for my pin collection and. Now, this is really cool that this place even exists. And you look around. I don't know if you paid attention to this or what your Mm -hmm. gauge is like. You know, when I walk around at the Magic Castle, um, you see a lot of magicians, but a lot 
a lot of people going are, are not magicians. They're guests of someone right. or members because they're a fan of the club, blah, blah, blah. So, like, you looked around. Is it people on dates or is it, like, magicians in the audience? So that's the cool thing about the lounge is it's mostly general public. Like, there's that's very few magicians that are actually there sitting and watching the shows. Now, if you are a magician in Chicago, you can, like, become sort of, like, a part of the secret society the, the the like a club member and like they do have like other honoring the chicago round table essentially and like have it they want it as a place for magicians to hang by the bar or whatever and how that hang out but for the shows themselves it's general public so why did you have to call it a secret society is that what they call it no why okay it just sounds off-putting i think to to people that aren't part of the secret society you know i think people want it's how it. you end up with with acts like siegfried and joy or whatever it is I don't know. Secret Society. I mean, that's the whole reason that scam show was created in New York by my buddies Harrison and Patrick. You know? So you think it has appeal? I think people want to be part of a secret society. Hmm. All right. Um, but that's not the only show I saw in Chicago. I was done. I saw two shows. I was supposed to leave. Mm-hmm. But then I saw that it was the debut. when I, The night we were at the Chicago Magic Lounge was the debut of Rob Zabrecki's Zabrecki oh, cool. Hour show. What so a I, unique persona he has on stage. So I extended my stay an extra day just to see Rob Zabrecki perform. And There's a theme here of you extending your stays. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I'm staying longer in Canada now. But um, you're you're really living life for the cast, as they say. Yeah, this this July particular has been very magical for me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. so much magic. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know Rob Zabrecki, um his his character is this amazing uh I mean he was a musician in some famous band, but he switched gears completely to magic and found this like gaunt, eerie, but whimsical and like kind of kooky vibe to him. Like if you picture like he could easily be dropped into the haunted mansion at Disney world and fit right in or like think like Adam's family, like kooky and creepy, that kind of thing. But everything he chooses is based off that character and it's his characters informing. So he does great magic, but it's all based through this character and he's really doing like art for art's sake. It seemed so really, really fun to see him perform um, and do a full show. That seems like a great venue for him as well. Yeah. Um, I saw him at the castle, actually. I've never, I had never seen, I've only seen bits of him. So it was great to see him put everything together and do it in a more theatrical setting. And, uh, cool. Got to hang out with him a little bit afterwards. We grabbed some food and, uh, and awesome. I, think I think he's here lecturing at FISM, too. I haven't seen wow. him yet. Yeah. So he's all over the place. And, uh, speaking of Zabrecki, I'm going to bring up on topic as well, which I believe he might even be lecturing on. But before we do that, Matt, what do you say? We take a break talking from magic and do some diddle me this. Diddle me this, diddle me that. Will Eric end up stumping Matt Riddles? Matt, these are, I have two user submitted, or user submitted, listener submitted (laughs) riddles for you. From uh, Lee, Lee writes in. And uh, so if you don't like them, you can blame Lee instead of me this time. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, and they're two. One I think you're going to nail. One. Why, why are we doing two? Are they like short ones? They're short, yeah. Okay. What word can be written and read upside down and backwards? 
There's a name for words that read the same both ways, like race car. That's not what this That's is asking. That's a palindrome. I knew you would know what that was called, which is why you, I asked you. So you can read it. That's reading it forward and backwards. Now, words that can read the same upside down and uh, right side up are kind of ambigrams, but they also, ambigrams don't have to be the same word. Like you've probably maybe seen, you can see a word and flip it upside down and it creates another word. That's also Yeah, like ambigram. mom and wow. Right. That's it would be like sort of an ambigram. So okay. we're looking for one of those, which by the way, mm-hmm. mom and wow are both palindromes too. True. So we're, we're looking for a word just like that, but when you flip it upside down, it's the same word. And can be mm. read forward and backwards. Well, there are only certain letters that are the same upside down. The first one that comes to mind is an O. Yep. Is the good, same up good, and down. Good way to use that. D E F. Wow, when mom H. gave you that hint. <laughs> yeah. I could be the same. Oh, I guess, okay. I don't think we need two vowels for this, though. Um, J K L M N O P Q R S S. S-O-S. No, that's not a word. Yeah, right. Because you don't Acronym. just go against a sas. U-V-W-X. <laughs> X. Socks. Upside but, down. But read but it backwards. It's has to be a has to be a palindrome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I'll give you one that I thought when I first read this, but it doesn't work backwards, but it does work same upside down, is the word swims swims so if you rotate that 100 degrees it still says swims 180 yeah that's what i that's what i meant to say okay okay (laughs) did i mention i'm on very little sleep (laughs) (laughs) all right if you rotate it 100 degrees that's uh like cockeyed a little bit you have to tilt your head (laughs) yeah how is the answer not swims because swims backwards would be s-m-i-w-s oh it has to work backwards too yes Okay, so it has to like start and end with the same letter. It's going to be like sis, like short for sister. That could work. Is an S upside down an S? Yeah. Yeah, it's just abbreviated. Can you think of a longer word? Um, like maybe one letter longer, because that's how I got for my answer here from Lee. Sims. Nope. I liked your line of thinking with the vowel before the other vowel. I or O? O. Hmm. What if you had two of those together in the middle? Okay. And also, yeah. what what time are we recording this closer to your time, <laughs> I guess? Oh, this is a weird clue. It is a weird clue. Uh... I don't know. It's like close to two, I guess. Yeah. But what if we did it earlier? It would be one. Yeah. And then like maybe like a little bit earlier than that. Noon. <laughs> oh, boy. And and is the same upside down, huh? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. That's a great, great riddle, but it's a tough one. It is very tough. Is that even a riddle? That's what I was wondering, which is why we have another one. So, (laughs) hey, no, listen, that was a good. I whatever that was, I like it. (laughs) It is cool, and it's a fun little trivia fact. And I mean, and I'm not just saying it because it wasn't from you. (laughs) Fair, you would be honest. (laughs) Yeah, I would. And you like some of the ones that I give you too. So I do um, absolutely. um, 
But it's a great bar bet. You could probably win some drinks off of that. Right? Yeah, for sure. You could win a drink or two. We just, I, yeah, you're welcome. I think you're going to nail this one right off the bat. I don't even think you need much time. So we're going to do this okay. one quick. Also from Lee. Okay. What has 13 hearts, but no other organs? I got it. Yeah. What yeah. do you think, Matt? So this one is really well suited for me. Suited for you? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> uh, it's a deck of cards. That is correct. <laughs> I yeah. had a feeling you were going to get that right away. Now, that one's fantastic. I really like that one a lot. Yeah. That is actually a good riddle, though. It is a good riddle. You're not going to believe it, man. I know I've, I've mentioned a couple of times that like mm-hmm. I enjoy doing crosswords, particularly yeah. you know lately. And I I didn't get this one. I, I like was racking my brain because I thought they were talking about a deck. I, it, uh, the highest point in some decks or something like that mm-hmm. was like the clue. And I thought for sure they were talking about like either on a boat or a deck at a house. Right. And it, like literally the answer was like ace because they were talking about the highest card in a deck. But the way it was phrased, I just could not put connect those dots. This is a while ago. But they yeah. did that intentionally for sure. They do that. That ambiguity. So oh, that right. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, yeah. So now yeah. I'm like always looking for those double meanings. But anyway, <laughs> let's jump over to trivia. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready. Time to use his wit. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Trivia, pressure, trivia time. All right. Fism trivia that I made up myself. All right, let's do it. I'm excited. The first American to bring home the gold medal of the whole thing, the Grand Prix. Uh, yeah, I don't think they do medals, but like first place, Grand Prix, first American. Bring home the gold, so See, to speak. Okay, so I'm going to tell you right now, and I think you mentioned we were going to do FISM trivia right before we went live to record, and I told you I know nothing about history i'm like learning a lot while i'm here so i was like okay. i'm gonna be very bad at this but if i were to make a guess can i make a guess i i i hate where this is going because i feel like you're gonna get it now i am gonna say mr lance burton my guess you know i was gonna give you choices yes no and I did you know not you know don't that. need them <laughs> i don't need them did i get it right you did <laughs> yes <laughs> Wow. How did you know that? Uh, just kind of, I mean, I knew his famous act, his Dove Act and Candle Act. Um, what year was it? Is a FISM qualifying act. So I just what year like was there. it? Mm, well, let's see. I'm guessing again. 84? There was no FISM in 84, <laughs> but there was one in 82. <laughs> So I feel like you would have gotten that right too. <laughs> All right, where was it? Okay, this is uh, this is, could be anywhere. Definitely not Quebec City. Okay, because <laughs> it's like probably the, I think the first time we're here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna guess. You're not gonna get this, by the way, um, right? Are you just messing with me at this point, and you know the answer again? And I've just been like a secret FISM nerd this whole time. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm going to guess um, Bonn, Germany. I would have flipped out if you said Lausanne, Switzerland. Uh, that far? <laughs> 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 uh, 
Wow. Uh, well, there you very have close, it. very close. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to mention this because I think it's an interesting topic, and I think this is what he's lecturing here. I mentioned Zabrecki and got to hang out with him, and he has um, a book that I really enjoyed reading called The ABZs mm-hmm. of Magic, and he goes through mm-hmm. each letter of the alphabet and has something artistic for people to learn about the art form of magic. Uh, but I, uh, I won't give away the whole thing. I'll just recommend that people read it. But the letter M is for magic biography, Matt. Mm-hmm. And I'll just read the top part here. Um, one of the most interesting ways to understand yourself as a magician and have audiences understand you is to create a magic biography. If you haven't already, write one for yourself. It only needs to be a page or so, but should define who you are and how you think your audience see you. Many magicians perform material that overshadows their persona. Magic wasn't meant to be performed this way. The performer should be more important than uh, the, the effect he is presenting. And then he lists, he asked a couple of his friends to list their own little magic uh, biographies. Uh, I won't mm-hmm. read all of them, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for example, I'll read Zabrecki's and oh, I'll read Penn and Teller's too, because it just says a couple of eccentric guys who have learned to do a few cool things, which is interesting. But Zabrecki's is, Zabrecki is a magical, is magical in the oddest ways, strange, puzzling, empathetic, engaging. He is mysterious and always per- unexpected. Everything that occurs to him is perfectly normal, and the norm is outlandish and bizarre. Unaware of his odd behavior, he creates magic moments without a s- sense of that anything special is happening. No matter how strange you think Zabrecki may be, he thinks the same about you. Those who meet him feel he might be dangerous, but his sly countenance is always deemed bene- benevolent. Is he bad? Is he good or misunderstood? So it's like interesting. I'm curious of, for those of you who are performers, and it doesn't have to be just in the magical arts, just performers in general. If you've ever written a magic biography about yourself, Matt, have you ever thought of your biography as a performer and how you're seen and what you're trying to portray to the audience? Yeah, but I'm not sure I've ever really uh, done it successfully. Or sit down to paper and write it out, yeah. Well, yeah, I've never sat down and write it out, but I mean, it is... I think your audience might maybe decide what, you know, no matter what you're trying to portray, they might decide who you are and what they perceive of you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's an important thing to do. We've talked about like shtick before. Right. Here. And like, I, so I, maybe, maybe shtick is like a bad word. Like it's like, instead of, it's like patter, which Mm. is sort of like a, patter is a word that sort of can be um, degrading to like writing a script. Right. Like patter, if you look up the actual definition of what patter means, it's like so not important. It's like uh, minutia that you're saying while you're performing. And that's like like not really filler words. Right. Yeah. We're using the word patter, which kind of just means nonsense filler when magicians really mean scripting. They mean scripting. (laughs) Right. And so when I say shtick, what I what I mean Mm -hmm. is exactly what you're talking about and what this book is talking about. Um yeah, I kind of agree with the whole notion of, of, you know, you want people walking away. I mean, you want the magic to be strong, too. You want there to be certain things that you're going to be mm-hmm. remembered by that, you know, your magic can define you in a way. Just like if you're a singer, songwriter, your songs sometimes will define you. But it, it all goes hand in hand, right? Right. Well, I think what 
was very telling watching him perform is that he can do great magic, but he's choosing things specifically that highlight his character and that fit. Everything's character driven. It's all yeah. character driven. And in order to do that, you have to know who your character is and what you're trying to present. Um, right. So I was trying to think of like what my magic biography was. And I think when I first started, I kind of was looking to inspirations of like who I matched up with and kind of, I almost kind of, I always was like, I want to be like a Banachek type of mind reader mixed with Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, in a way, right? And like, mm -hmm. kind of combine the two. Um, but I think as I've evolved, I'm kind of more of like, I am the fun loving, nerdy guy who can be, you know, your guide to these cool and interesting things and figure out what you're thinking and what your your mind and psychological tells tell about you and we're all just here to have fun together and explore that and i i mean i'm kind of winging that on the spot if i were to say no you actually did really more. well because like if i were to do one for you which is probably easier for me right. to define you than it is for you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i i mean I, that's not too far off yeah and it is I nice think that to is do that perceived. There, that is a good strategy in, in improv as well. There's techniques of like you stand out there and you get feedback of what the audience is getting off of you without you even doing anything, right? right. So it's almost like typecasting, having people typecast you to see what parts you would play in scenes or movies or whatever. And that tells a lot about what you're starting with. And then you can play against type or go with that type as well. And both of yeah. those are choices. But you're you're right. You're probably a better perspective because you're from looking from outside, you know, rather than me trying to figure out from inside, you know, the forest from the well, trees. Well, I, I, to be honest with you, I think I'm totally. I, I really feel incapable of like doing it for myself. Yeah. Um. I, I, I know that. Um. For whatever reason, you know. People, some people anyway, seem to appreciate what I do, but I find that I have a hard time knowing why, mm. because I'm not making a character, because right. I am being you, yeah, uh, being me. Um, I find myself like, and sometimes people tell me like, "Oh, this is what why people like this about you mm -hmm. when you're on stage, or this is this right. is the part that's appealing, or this is the part that's likable." I'm usually like, "Oh," <laughs> and I also <laughs> find that those things change. Mm, I yeah. find that like what what was likable at one point, it, it'll change and it'll be something different that's likable when I when I revisit it. Yeah, that people yeah. tell me. So like I'm never I'm always sort of chasing to know mm -hmm. because if you understand your character, the more and and I'm I'm speaking generally here. It's not like I have no idea who I am. Right, right, <laughs> that's right. It's not right. what I'm saying. I'm uh, you know very comfortable in my skin, which is important too. Um, but I'm always sort of chasing understanding my persona on stage because the more you understand your own the more you're able to use it to your advantage which is really to your audience's advantage exactly. which is really to you know enhance their experience um right but it's not easy to like hone not. in on because you're too close to the situation and and like you're saying yeah because you're playing a heightened version of yourself on stage right. I mean, people spend years of therapy trying to figure out who they are just right. as themselves, right? So it it's is, almost easier if you create a character that's different than yourself. If you create right. a character, then you can like be removed from it and decide mm -hmm. what those traits are that, and whatever right. you want them to be, you can sort of dream it up. But like, if it's just if it is if it is yourself, which is honestly pretty common, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, maybe we mentioned Lance Burton. I mean, Lance Burton was essentially himself on stage. Right. Well, he started as a vampire too. 
That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. literally, right? Yeah, but like, yeah, having the same similar quality. I've never heard someone call him that. <laughs> like the like having the like kind of like the, the like the frilly shirts and like that kind of like Castlevania type of vibe. He was yeah, it was much darker then. Darker then, and then he mm-hmm. became more of himself as he came through. You know, with like, right. like that southern charm, and well, he was also right. not talking doing you know when he was doing his physim act specifically, and then right. he added a lot of that personality through talking. So. Like, what do you see yourself as just as you without magic, without performing? Like, do you have like one or two? I'm not going to put you on the spot for a full biography, but like what are your main traits, your qualities that you're trying to purvey uh, when you do perform for your audiences to take home? Well, that's just it. I'm not sure I'm trying to purvey a certain thing. I think I'm only or uh, that, gathering. Yeah. I've, I've now I'm now biased in another direction because I've gathered information. Mm-hmm feedback from the audience on on what that character is Mm -hmm. and like the ones that i enjoy in terms of feedback when people say like guy next door i'm like okay i can vibe with that i kind of feel like that's essentially Mm -hmm. what i maybe have been going for without knowing it Mm. yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah. you're kind of the every man right or like uh yep that's another good one I, i wouldn't have thought of but yeah that's that's a good phrase for it yeah the well, uh, yeah. If I were to try and do that from the outside perspective, if for you, if you want mm-hmm. me to, if you want me, and to you trying. might be close, too close to the situation, but you're not as close as I am. So right. by all means, please. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're just you know uh, again fun loving. I would put it out there, but you're absolutely you're, you're you're excited and passionate about not only magic and bringing wonder to the audience, but the actual connection and interaction with your audiences and wanting to make sure that they're not only shining, but they're having a blast and uh, participating in uh, a magical experience. And those are your major points to hit during your show, that everyone's having a good time and like almost a party atmosphere. Yeah, I love how long it's taking. Like, like the, the you know, your <laughs> shtick is not ideal when it requires more and more sentences. Well, no, like, I mean, well, the point of this exercise too is like you can write a full page, like Zabrecki. Oh, okay, it's a okay. paragraph, so you want it. You can get detailed into. No, it. but I was impressed with how concise Penn and Teller's was. Right, right, and so and I could concise. write them a whole different one, equally as short, but mm-hmm. just as good. Like big guy, little guy, one doesn't speak. Boom, right, very sticky. But it's more about what they see themselves as and what they want the audience to get from them, right? But what did they write their own? I'm yeah, that was by that. that was, these are all. So Zabrecki went through and asked his okay, friends he, okay. to, to say their own. So another, I'll give you another quick one. Uh, okay, was, is John Lovick who performs under Handsome Jack, mm-hmm. and his is Magic Man, Miracle Maker, Male Model. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. He plays this kind of egotistical, full of himself character. You he know? just went with the rule of threes on that one. Yeah, just exactly. Right down the plate. That's good. And I'll I'll read one more because I just love this chapter. But this is Max Maven, who I'm so thrilled I got to spend time with and see him talk here at FISM. Uh, and he says, my role can be that of a sort of a tour guide, a gracious host, a powerful entity who must be obeyed, a teacher, a tease, a cad, a friend. Very occasionally, I feel I'm a small man who is desperately seeking the attention and approval of others, but fortunately, that that's not very often. Perhaps my favorite role, which comes and goes during the course of a show, is that of a representative who, on behalf of the audience, has decided to challenge the universe. Then, when I win, we all win. 
And what's great is even in that description and the wording and the choice, you can tell that Max's personality from yeah, that yeah, description. Yeah, I could hear right? that being like read in his voice, even though you were reading it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting to think about as performers is if we haven't done that homework, like maybe, you know, it's it, maybe we've done it subconsciously. We do it in their subtext, but like to actually sit down and write it as an exercise can help clarify things and maybe like even focus a bit more. And it doesn't have to be something you have to stick to. It can change and evolve as we change and evolve as performers. Yeah, I have found that they do change, as I was saying, which yeah. is like interesting too. Mm-hmm. Um, I also mm-hmm. find that like I'm perceived differently, and I think this this has got to go for everyone, including in music. If you're, you know someone sees your full concert versus, you know, one song you did at the end of a late night show. Right. Yeah. Um, right. But like, you I, get I'll definitely perspectives and yeah. Well, I definitely will get like misconstrued sort of interpretations for people who will just see something on television. They'll, they'll mm-hmm. say, give feedback like, and, and I don't think they necessarily mean it in a negative way, but like cool youth pastor. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you well, know, stuff like that or frat boy or whatever, you know? Yeah. They're extrapolating from one data point, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But I mean, that happens too. And mm-hmm. like the more shticky what you're doing, shtick I think is a good thing. Uh, I see shtick as a little hacky. Like it, a shtick and ties no, hack. It doesn't have. Okay. So, so you're seeing shtick like patter, but like what is yeah. the word for shtick that's not shtick? <laughs> like whatever your, I don't know. Brand. I mean, that sounds Brand. even dirtier, yeah, 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 doesn't yeah. it? That yeah, that yeah. feels even dirtier to me. Yeah, like, like a like a you know like a it's product on to be brand, sold. off brand, but it's pretty common. Yeah, no, it is. A, it is the right word, yeah, really. I mean, yeah. branding is so important if you <laughs> if you want to be a professional entertainer. I think character, like whatever your character, character. or personality. Yeah, personality. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, really but, interesting. Yeah, I think it's just fun food to thought. So if. Let's uh, throw it to our listeners. If you want to take it up on yourself, if you're a performer of any kind, not just magic, uh, singer, juggler, you know, I know we have a lot of people listen to this. If you want to do yourself a little homework assignment, we'd love to hear just some biographies. If you want to think about what you're trying to give to to your audience and you can write us uh, and we'll read some of them on the air. I really like, and this isn't something we can do all the time. I mean, it really depends mm-hmm. on what we're both reading. But I had a, I had an excerpt from a Burt book too. Mm. I'm not going to get into it this week. I'm going to save it. But um, good, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of the same idea that opens a discussion. Good, good. Sort like of on this. the theater theoretical topics in uh, in the performance realm. So I I really like that. So you know, next time I come across things like that, I've been kind of taking them down because I've I've reached a few interesting ones recently. Mm-hmm. We can kind of go over them like this, and I think it's a cool uh, a cool way to kind of dive into something that we might not have thought of otherwise. Absolutely, I like that. Well, speaking mm-hmm. of reading, Matt, before we wrap up the episode. Oh, by the way, the email I should give. I just told people the email. I didn't do it. What a bad podcast podcast host uh, mind over magic <laughs> podcast at gmail.com if you want to write us your magic biography or anything at all topics to discuss if you have a passage from a magic book that you think will spark some discussion we'd love to hear that as well mind over magic podcast at gmail.com uh, but before we wrap up matt i have other exciting news i'm on a i'm on a magazine cover <laughs> oh it's so it's really exciting yeah so i think maybe my first cover uh, wow congrats Thank you. And um, it's for the August issue 
of um, MUM, M-U-M yep. magazine for the Society of American Magicians. So yep. if you are a member, check it out. Uh, the digital copy is out now, and I think the print edition is coming out. I'm going to be grabbing a few copies from myself, and I'll be maybe posting. There's a full article that uh, my uh, good pal that you know from New York, New Jersey area does a lot of show. I do a lot of shows with him. Uh, wrote a whole feature article about me and my history and my path from when <laughs> he started right when I you know first got into magic all the way through you know the successes in my career so far. Um, so you can check that out. Uh, and uh, we really kind of focus um, on like the improv element. And I submit an article as well that's separate from the feature article uh, where I talk about some behind the scenes um, techniques that I use to incorporate comedy into uh, my performances and how I use it for magical benefits. So there are some insider secrets in uh, some of the, the articles there. But if you're a magician, check out the latest MUM. How do uh, I find that August. now? Are you going to post a link? Because I, I saw you share like a f- picture I just of the have, cover. But I, I have the cover. I haven't gotten the actual article. Okay. I might post the article if I'm able to. Um, have but, you read it? Uh, I have read it. It's good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so well, I didn't know if you were just going based on like because he interviewed you and that's how you know you knew yeah. what, he, where he, what he wrote about. Yeah. Okay. And I know what I wrote too. So I don't, right. I don't know if they edited that down yet but or at all. But uh but yeah, awesome. Three different ways I use comedy. It's exciting. Um, I love it. Yeah, Congrats, man. Thanks. Let's jump up to goals, Matt. We're still mm-hmm. gonna do goals. Okay. You wanted to reorganize all your magic. Oh man, I'm telling you, it is so good. I have. I went to the container store. Yeah. Twice you, now. You got some containers. Oh man, this is amazing. I got. I, I'm. I've been using a label maker. Huge shout out to Tiana. She's been uh, really mm-hmm. helpful with the organization because I'm not good at it, but it is a life changer. I have an entire cabinet labeled with, I don't know, this thing's got maybe 12 to 15 drawers just of crafts. It's got a drawer for scissors, a drawer for tape, a drawer for you know <laughs> wax, and the drawer for markers, and it, and then all of my cards are organized, all my props are organized, stage, close-up, categorized, wow. labeled. And every time I'm working on something, I don't have to waste time trying to like dig up where I left s- such and such a prop. I go into a labeled drawer, and wow. I remove whatever I need, and that- and I put it back where it came from. It is like it is a life changer, and uh, I am so excited. You are so organized. I'm not, to... I'm not. I'm not organized by nature. Like I'm. I <laughs> my, my the inside of my brain looks like what my office looks like. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, I use things. I leave them, and I like a yeah. like a creative space like that. I really do. There's part yeah. of that that's like comforting For... to me. But mm-hmm. having things organized in this way, which I've never done in my entire life. Um, is a game changer for me. So yeah. goal accomplished. Amazing. And creativity can be messy. So it's nice to have that little messy work area, but then yes. put things away where, so you can find them later. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a game changer for me. So, and, and boy, if I had space in New York, I would do the same to figure out. I, how I, to I also myself. like the way things were laid out previously. I didn't realize, I, I mean, I, you know, I've, yeah. I've accumulated a small magic shop <laughs> over the Basically, years. Basically. Yeah. I was thinking of, it reminds me of, <laughs> But the way you're describing it reminds me of the drawers and tannins where you can pull out like the certain prop that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Just the playing card section is it's so obnoxious. I was <laughs> like, I got to get rid of some of these. <laughs> Do you have a goal for next week, Matt? Um, Fly to probably. Fism. 
<laughs> yeah, phytophism. <laughs> um, you know what? Yeah, just to, I'm going to continue on with that because there are a lot mm. of things that still uh, need to be done in the, the coming days in that regard. So Good. Well, my yeah. goal last week was to come up with a new goal and to continue surviving the month and to continue to read. Uh, I'll say the month is winding up. I've survived. I'm running on little sleep, but I'm having a blast living life for the cast at all these magic conventions and magic shows and doing gigs. Uh, I read two books while in Chicago, Matt. So that crushed that. And then uh, my new goal is um, I'm playing around with QLab. So I want to teach myself more QLab stuff, which awesome. um, is a program to run show cues and everything like that. To, so adding, thinking about adding production elements that I haven't had before into my show. So, I, 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 I'm so behind that. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, plugs, Matt. What's happening? Coming up? Uh, nothing crazy to plug. Uh, we've got our dates on sale through the rest of the year. More to come. I, I said it before, but it's looking like the refresh of the show and new creative is going to be happening at the beginning of the year. So the current version, which I love, uh, you have from now till January to, to come check it out as it evolves. So Absolutely. Uh, mattfranco.com for tickets, Ticketmaster. Very good. Um, I have some upcoming public performances uh, in New York City. So if you are in the New York area, you can check me out. I'm doing Monday Night Magic on August 15th, which is a Monday. because It's Monday Night Magic. <laughs> so you can see, come see me headline there. And you can also see me. Um, I'll be popping into Speakeasy at some points throughout the, the week at Speakeasy Magic at the McKittrick Hotel. And then also Magic in a Bottle at City Winery on uh, August 30th. Uh, you can see me performing there. Of course, you can check out my website at ericdittleman.com. But speaking of websites, Matt, we have to thank our patrons, our producers of this show. Uh, so let's give a huge thanks to Dr. Bob Baker, James Dawson, and Jesse Miller. Well, you said speaking of websites. So I yeah. feel like, Alex, we got to thank you, too. <laughs> got to thank Alex as well. And then the website where you can become a patron and become a producer of the show, as well as access our video vault and other fun perks, is patreon.com slash mindovermagicpodcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash mindovermagicpodcast. And of course, visit us at our website, mindovermagicpodcast.com, where you can email us at our email address, and visit us on our socials, at mindmagicpod. Did you get the other videos I sent you for the... I, video I, vault. They're not I up have yet. them. I haven't put okay. them up. I've been busy on the road. They're going to uh, be yeah, up no soon. Yeah, no worries. Lo- um, I got a lot more too. So, I mean, that's just let me know once those are up and then I'll send you another batch. Fantastic. Yeah. Once I'm back from Canada and can relax a little bit, I'm going to be uploading more videos for the ongoing video vault, which is love it. going to be the singular place to see all of Matt Franco and Eric Dittleman videos all yeah. together in one. Really? Yeah. So, it's, it's, so, it's a lot of good stuff in there. Matt, we did it. We're gonna have. I'm gonna enjoy the rest of Fism and uh, have more things to report uh, to you as well. There's more friends. I gotta say hi for on your behalf. Uh, that All I haven't right. Seen yeah. Tell everyone I says hello. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thanks everyone for listening today. Thank you so much. And uh, Matt, I think it's time that this podcast is over. Over. Goodbye. Goodbye.